This is the table that we use in, to study on in med school. It is. I know. And this is the table that I drew out all the different options of what to do for residency. Yes. Pros and cons. Yes. Yeah. Did we ever, like, write... Like, did we ever, like, study and write stuff down on here? Yeah. Yeah. I, remember that roommate you had first year of med school? Steve. Steve. Yeah, he was, like, just, like, his perfect Steve. He was a perfect Steve. What I, happened to him? I have no idea. Hmm. Okay. He, he stopped being a journalist and went to law school and got rid of all of his social media accounts and dropped off the face there. Okay. All right. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Health by Heather Hirsch. From the bottom of my heart, I absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by a favorite product of mine, Uber Lube. I've been recommending this to my patients for years. What I love about Uber Lube is that they use a silicon base and allergies then are extremely rare. It has no added ingredients like scents, flavors, or spermicides, which are often the very same ingredients that cause irritations or reactions. It's also free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. And honestly, what I love the most is the chic glass bottle that it comes in and this nice little pump that allows you to get the perfect amount every time, plus no sticky residue. It's latex compatible and fun fact, it can be used underwater. So if you go to uberlube.com, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com and use the code podcast, you will get 10% off orders on their website. I know you won't be disappointed. Hi, and welcome back to Health by Heather Hirsch. Today I have like my real life best friend with me as a guest. I have as a host like, I have a really easy job getting guests on. I just, like, choose from my friends. So, anyways, but my very, 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 very good friend, Dr. Elizabeth Ferry, we went to med school together, residency together. Like, I mean, she, like, everything. And she is now an Hosted assistant. Hosted each other's baby showers. Yeah, we did host each other's baby showers. Literally, life, everything. So, she currently is an assistant professor of urology, so she's a big, bad surgeon. <laughs> In upstate New York, and we are currently all hanging out at her house. So if you hear kids peter pattering in the background, we're birds crying. chirping, and all that stuff, we are we're really we're really hanging out. Like we're in real life friends. That's right. I know. Yeah. You decided that. I did. Yeah. When was that? that anatomy was after our summer anatomy class. It was the beginning of the regular school year, and you called me because we would do the white coat ceremony, ceremony. lineup. Oh, yeah, because we're a fairy informant. Fairy informant. So you're like, we are going to be standing next to each other, so let's coordinate outfits because we're obviously best friends. Mm-hmm. And I was a little surprised and then thought, yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. What are you going to wear? <laughs> so we decided, since Liz is a urologist, there's a lot of urology topics we haven't covered here on the podcast, and we wanted to talk about urinary tract infections. Every woman's worst nightmare. So we wanted to talk about urinary tract infections. So 
Uh, anyways, why don't I hand this over to you and l- tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and why you got interested in urology in general. Like, what was it about urology that just, like, really did it for you? Well, I think especially the field of, of women's urology, there's just not enough attention paid to it. And I think a lot of my practice is spent just discussing what's normal, what's not normal, very conservative treatment options, things that... that you know, I think most women um, can use in their day-to-day life, and I I like that I have the opportunity to help them with that. And it also sort of makes me sad that they have not had this education or discussion until they came to me, and they tend to think it's them. It's just them, and they feel dirty, and that they're doing something wrong, and it's just not the case at all. It's so common, urinary issues in women, especially around the time and after menopause, Initial studies thought 40%. Now we think almost 90% of women will have these at some point in their life. 90% of women will have recurrent urinary tract infections. Well, no, they'll have some sort of urinary issue, Mm -hmm. whether it be stress incontinence, urge incontinence, recurrent urinary tract symptoms, um, true culture-proven infections, but also just recurrent symptoms of infection, which are treated completely differently. Um, And women have just been given antibiotic courses every month for years with no relief because people keep telling them it's an infection and it's not an infection. Yeah. So recurrent urinary issues, is it primarily a problem of older women or can it also be a problem of younger women? Both. Uh, As women, we're just more prone to infections and it's nothing that the woman is doing wrong. It's just our anatomy. We have a very short urine channel, and we have a very short space between the opening of our urine channel and our rectum. And the vast majority of these affections are bacteria that are marching up. But it has nothing to do with your hygiene or anything you're doing wrong. It's just our anatomy. Yeah. That makes me think, like, so many products are marketed to women to improve their hygiene, improve their everything down there. There's smell, there's sprays, there's mist, there's all the things. She's like rubbing her temples as I say that. <laughs> but I think that, that like that I think is what furthers the idea that women think they're not doing the right thing or they're not doing enough. And so like how common is it that people are using these over-the-counter options and how harmful are these over-the-counter options? Maybe they're not, but... Well, as women, one of our only natural defenses against an infection is the natural healthy bacteria that lives in the vagina. So just like we have bacteria in our mouths and our guts that the yogurt ladies are always talking about, we have good bacteria in the vagina. And what happens when you're using some of those products, not all, but when you're using a lot of these products, they they will change the pH and your ability to hold on to that good bacteria, which then lowers your natural defenses and makes you even more prone for the next infection. Then you get a course of antibiotics for the infection. You wipe out even more of the good bacteria. Then you might get a yeast infection. You get antifungals. You further change that pH and and that natural healthy biome in the vagina, 
And then you're set up for the next infection. And then mm. you get more antibiotics. And then maybe now this time you get diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So there's more, again, even with perfect hygiene, there's just more bacteria around. So you can see how these things do tend to snowball. I always learn the vagina is like a car wash and it will clean itself. It, it is. It is. It's so amazing. what is the actual de- – let's let's kind of talk about um, urinary tract infections. Everyone knows what a urinary tract infection is. What is the definition of a recurrent urinary tract infection. How many urinary tract infections does one need to have till they have a recurrent urinary tract infection? So up to two infections in six months or three in a year is actually considered normal. Again, because of our anatomy. The important thing is to have the cultures. So even if you get prescribed a course of antibiotics, you should still try and drop off an actual culture a urine sample, you mean, right? Right, right. A urine culture. Uh, and not just the dip in the office that might make your doctor think you are more or less likely to have one, but definitely get the culture because you might get the wrong antibiotic, mm-hmm. that it was a bacteria that was resistant to mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Uh, or it might not be an infection. It can be that the bladder sometimes just gets hypersensitized. It's mm-hmm. a pretty sensitive little organ, mm-hmm. and it can become overactive, so you can have urgency, frequency, and sometimes even burning with urination, all of the symptoms of an infection, but without bacteria growing there. So continuing to take course after course of antibiotics is not going to make the symptoms better, and actually would put you at risk for another infection. Yeah. When I worked as a primary care physician, it was so common for women to call and say, you know, I'm pretty sure I have an urinary tract infection. And and then, you know, as busy clinicians, we would say, okay, well, we'll just send you your antibiotic. We, we know you know what it is and blah, 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 blah. But you're absolutely right. You're missing the actual proofs in the pudding. Like actually go drop off your urine, have it grow in the culture and see if there's actual bacteria. Because... What if it's just atrophy? Can that be another reason? You know, if you're postmenopausal, can that cause symptoms? Definitely. So that whole you call your doctor because you're convinced you have all the classic symptoms. If that happens once every couple of years, that's okay. It's completely reasonable to to just get treated um, with a course of antibiotics. The concern is that when it's happening more frequently or you just took all your antibiotics and it didn't clear you continue to have the symptoms. That's when the cultures become really, really important. And yes, vaginal atrophy, so just the thinning of the vagina after menopause. So of course, as you know, it's estrogen that mm-hmm. really improves the health of the vagina and its ability not only to um, self-moisturize, have intercourse be more comfortable, and just be more comfortable day to day, it also helps to hold on to that good, healthy bacteria. So after menopause, if you are suffering from vaginal dryness and you get these courses of antibiotics, you're that much more likely to have a recurrence because you've lost your natural barrier. Yeah. So replacing that estrogen, not necessarily orally, but just vaginal estrogen is a huge step in improving your natural defenses. Mm-hmm. So how safe is vaginal estrogen? Very safe. So this very, is very, very, very safe. safe. Very safe. Okay. And and I, I probably don't have this conversation as much as you do, but this yeah. is this is very frequent conversation because women are scared. No one wants to be at an increased risk for cancers, and that's what we all think when you hear estrogen. 
but especially the vaginal estrogen, there's been really good studies that have looked at vaginal estrogen. There's no increased risk of cancers. There's no increased risk of blood clots or heart attacks or strokes, and it can dramatically improve your quality of life. I just want to know, what evidence is there that vaginal estrogen can be used as a treatment for recurrent urinary tract infections? Excellent. It's actually level one evidence. So Mm. uh, in in the American Neurological Association guidelines for recurrent urinary tract infections, um, you know, sadly, it's not a field that there's enough data on. So there's a lot of different options for treatment, but not a lot of really great studies. But one of the only level one recommendations is to do vaginal estrogen. Ah. So what about someone who does have recurrent urinary tract infections that are culture positive? How do you treat them? Well, it depends on the setting. So if you are 25 and you get an infection two days after intercourse every time, Mm -hmm. one option is to take one low-dose antibiotic within an hour of intercourse. Flushing, wiping, trying to urinate within an hour, all of that stuff has not been shown to make any change. Mm. Um, But the antibiotic can be a life changer. Okay. So one tab once an hour after intercourse. Within an hour. Within an hour. Yeah, you could. You got things to do after, so. Right, okay. But if you're a little bit older and there's no connection to some sort of other event, so sometimes we can find things that can make you a little bit more prone. So everyone, of course, has heard of the after intercourse infections. But I had a patient recently who had them after she would go horseback riding mm-hmm. just because there's increased friction. And again, like I said, most of these infections are coming from the good, healthy bacteria that are in our gut, finding their way past the vagina and into the urinary tract. And um, so anything that just causes more friction and activity in sort of that bicycle seat area puts us at increased risk for infection. I was like, so I was like immediately thinking of, of my Peloton. It could, yeah. And it sort of depends. Not everyone is prone, but it could be. Um, So this one patient changed her seat, her her saddle style, and didn't have any more infections. Because it was just sort of how it was rubbing. And again, this has nothing to do with your hygiene, your number of sexual partners, anything that your partner is doing wrong. You know, I have a lot of older women that have concerned that their partner is not being monogamous because they're getting recurrent urinary tract infections, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if it is postmenopausal, again, we go back to trying to build back up your natural barrier so that you can fight off infections better. But certainly if you were having a lot of diarrhea, so I have a lot of patients with IBS, so either IBS C with constipation or IBSD with diarrhea, trying to get that better under control. Um, that can be another risk factor that we can work on. Mm-hmm. And then there are some supplements that, that can be really beneficial. Everyone's heard of cranberry, mm-hmm. but cranberry juice is mostly just sugar and water. You really need to be taking a supplement to have enough of the concentrated cranberry to make it harder for the bacteria to latch on to the, the wall of the bladder. Mm-hmm. So you recommend a cranberry supplement? If you have recurrent E. coli UTIs, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about, a lot of women ask about like just other foods in general, like should I take probiotics or should I do, you know, the yogurt with the probiotics? So like, what is the skinny on the food? I love probiotics. 
probiotics are huge in, again, trying to build back your natural biome. So lactobacillus is the bacteria that you want to have in your probiotic. And there are specially formulated vaginal probiotics, but truthfully, you're just paying more because it says it's for women. Mm-hmm. On it. They're oral probiotics. That's, that's bullshit. <laughs> it's like those pink Bic pens, right? Like, as long as it has lactobacillus, which most of them do, it's going to do the job. And do you recommend, like, a certain number of lactobacillus? People ask me that. Nope, she's shaking her head now. Okay. So I have a question. Um, for people who wear, I want to clarify. So for people who wear liners, panty liners, and pads, whether it's to protect leakage or just that dribble, is are those shown to irritate and cause urinary tract infections or make people prone to urinary tract infections? Or do you kind of say, meh, they're fine? Well, this is another area where the data is not. Great. But it does make sense that if the, just like, you know, when we have our baby girls, we are taught to wipe their diaper front to back, right? You're pulling the bacteria away, not bringing it into the vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're constantly sitting in moisture, which is going to, again, have bacteria just because it's against your skin, that can be a risk factor. Um, but not everyone that's wearing pads is you're getting recurrent UTIs. So it's not a one-to-one, but certainly that's something that I like to work on anyway. Again, just improving quality of life and the drier you are and the better, you know, we always hear about letting the vagina breathe again to get the good, healthy bacteria in its best state. So how do we let the vagina breathe exactly? (laughs) So ideally cotton underwear. Uh-huh. Um, and if we can get someone drier to decrease the amount of moisture and to not have, of course, pads and liners have that plasticky back lining and you're not going to get that same air exchange. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't mean just like, what about just like sleeping in the nude? Whatever works for you. Okay. So you're all for that. <laughs> okay. So I want to ask you a question about hydration, but first I wanted to tell a funny med school story. <laughs> okay. Remember how late I used to be meeting you to go <laughs> walk to class and one day you're like, that's it, I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm very, I have to be on time. I like, you're I'm like allergic <laughs> to being on time. Do you like, remember how often I would find your keys in your lock? That I would come oh, yes, 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 yes. Keys. I was like, hey, when I opened the door. How'd you get in here? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Are you going to bring up the gum thing? No, I don't. That's the other time I was done with the gum. I know. I think, <laughs> I think just by saying the gum thing, everyone knows what that probably means. Uh, One of us is very prim and proper. Yeah. One of us. Unless <laughs> so. But you know what? That's what you want in your surgeon, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Very, very detailed. Very detail very oriented. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we're having a great weekend, and we're hydrating. So let's talk about hydration. What does the data show on hydration? And, you know, does it help to decrease the risk of infections, etc.? Yes. So there was recently a great paper in a leading journal that looked at women who get recurrent urinary tract infections who are chronically dehydrated and the impact of increasing their water intake. So increasing their water intake to one and a half liters a day. And it did decrease the frequency of infections, which makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. You need your urinary tract to be running like a river or a stream. Mm-hmm. Like you let your kids play in rivers and streams, but not ponds, right? Because ponds have stasis. They sit there. They grow bacteria. So if we have urine sitting anywhere in our urinary tract that is just sitting there and not fully draining or draining quickly enough, it's a big risk for recurrent infections. That imagery makes, like, perfect sense. I like it. Yeah. You've said this a lot. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So we we want our urinary tract to be running like a river or a stream. So the more you're hydrating, the more you're flushing things through, Mm -hmm. um, the lower your risk of infections. Got it. Makes sense. Before we move on to meds, is there any other lifestyle... Um, changes or lifestyle additives that can help decrease risk that you can think of? There are some other supplements that have shown some promise. D-mannose is is one of them. There are different supplements you can buy over the counter that can help with some of the symptoms. But I think an important thing to keep in mind whenever you're taking some of these supplements is to make sure that you're reading the instructions. Because just because you can buy it without a prescription doesn't mean it doesn't have risks to your health. Yeah, can we talk about, are you talking about peridium? I am. Okay, let's talk about, I, we need to get into peridium. So what what is it, what does it do, and how, you know, can it mess up cultures? And I've heard just a lot of bad things. I've never recommended it as an internist, but, like, give it to us. So peridium is the trade name of, uh, of a medicine that is a, kind of a numbing medicine for the bladder. So it can help with a lot of the symptoms of an infection. Um, And it's available over the counter in a little bit of a lower dose. Um, uh, Azomax is the most common brand. And people think that because it's a supplement over the counter, they can take it for as long as they want. But if you read the instructions of Azomax, it should not be taken for more than two days at a time. And the risk is that it can cause serious damage to your kidneys. Really? So it really cannot be taken for more than two days at a time. Wow. And does it mess up culture it results? It will not throw off your culture. It will throw, throw off, off your dip. The urine dip. Okay. Right. That's so, the one they do in the clinic really quickly. Right. So the screening test for an infection is going to show up positive, um, but the culture will still be appropriate. Got it. Okay. But again, we talked about when we started recording that a lot of people skip that step. And so, right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So peridium is kind of like a, nah. I think it can be really helpful, especially it seems that this always happens at night or on a weekend. And so you can't always necessarily get plugged right in with your doctor to get a culture. Um, And so it can help to bridge the gap until you can be seen or you can have um, just a culture obtained. Got it. Okay. For our patients who do need antibiotics, um, is there anything new in terms of antibiotics or data on antibiotics or, you know, anything that's interesting do you think in in the urology world? So antibiotic stewardship is a big issue. There's Mm -hmm. just... Explain to us what antibiotic stewardship means. Uh, so, So it's just being careful and cautious about prescribing antibiotics and from the clinician standpoint exactly it's Mm -hmm. using the shortest course of the least aggressive antibiotic to fully clear the infection that's making someone sick and especially with urinary tract infections as i said we don't as patients we don't want those big courses anyway because they're going to make us more at risk for the next infection but the other risk is that your bacteria might become resistant to it and as we get 
more and more of these superbugs and more concern for resistance, the bigger concern that we won't have an oral antibiotic option or eventually even an IV antibiotic option to clear some of these infections. And that's a real risk nowadays. Man, it is hot in here. <laughs> it really is. I know. Like, <laughs> do you not get airflow in this room, Liz? No. Okay. We're hiding from the children. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they can still be heard on our recording. So I guess my final question is, we've learned a lot about urinary infections, definition, you know, important things that women should know, especially just to get rid of that whole blaming themselves and feeling kind of dirty. And it's a big, it's a pervasive problem. So I want to ask you, when is the right time to see a urologist? Because a lot of women start with either their internist or their family doctor Sometimes they're OBGYN. When is the right time for our listeners to be proactive and ask or think about making a appointment with a urologist? In general, I would say if you are someone that is struggling with any kind of health concern and you aren't having your answers or your questions answered or your needs met, it's time to go up the ladder. Most urologists will see someone without a referral. So, so if you are struggling, and whether it be with recurrent urinary tract infections or any matters of the bladder, really, um, that's what urologists are. We are specially trained physicians that focus only on this area, and we want to improve the overall health. I think a lot of people get nervous about seeing a urologist because they think, oh, I don't need to see a surgeon. Mm, yeah. They're just going to want to cut. And I don't think I'm to that level yet. And I think that an important thing to keep in mind is that there are so many more treatment options than are just surgical. And there are a lot of options. And again, if you have questions or needs that aren't being met, come to the experts. That's why we're here. Yeah. So a lot of my listeners know, you know, I talk a lot about how women are dismissed and mistreated um, postmenopausally and, and quite arguably along the entire reproductive spectrum. But why is it that you think that women are so dismissed or these kinds of complaints go misdiagnosed or undertreated or inappropriately treated? I think that answer has, there's several potential reasons. One is a general feeling both from patients and unfortunately also by providers that this is just part of getting older. Mm -hmm. That, of course, I just have to have all of these infections. Or, of course, I have to be wearing diapers. Yeah. That, and that's that's really not the case. And it's cultural. I mean, there's commercials about them, right? Yeah. There's, people probably get sent samples in the mail. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think there's sort of a feeling of, oh, this is just normal or this is something that I just have to live with. Then there's also a personal shame because... As you said, people, women feel like, oh, it's a, my fault. I'm dirty. I have bad hygiene. It's something I'm doing. So they don't want to ask their provider about it. And then the third thing is that some of these things you really do need to see an expert in. And so if even if you're talking to your provider and you love them, they've they've been your family's doctor for years, they've delivered your babies, they've, they've been a huge, wonderful impact on your life, sometimes these things do need a specialist. And so sometimes it's just a little bit out of their wheelhouse. And 
And again, that's when I think it's the time to get your questions answered. Yeah, I think that's great. And so wait, we said vaginal estrogen was safe? Safe. Safe. Very Very safe. safe. (laughs) (laughs) I think most of my listeners know that. Thank you, Liz, so much for being on the podcast. I pretty much cornered you into this really hot room, and then we shut our <laughs> children out. <laughs> They're going to cry to Yeah. The dads are doing great. Um, yes. Um, I'm so excited. I have such wonderful, amazing friends who can be guests on my show that I basically pimp out for my show. Um, Anytime. Any last kind of closing remarks or anything else that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say or didn't ask you? No. no, I think we're good. Do you remember when we dressed up as Nikki Paris Hilton and Nikki, <laughs> what was her last name oh, for Halloween? Yeah, the, what was that show? The, the Good Life? No. No. That's a no. good other show. It was like when they would like try to be normal humans and they just were not. But we dressed up with them with their prison uniforms. Did they go to jail? We something? were wearing bikinis and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then like jail jumpers? Yep. Yep. yep, that was that was one of the yep. questions. Well, thank you, Liz. Thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> Assistant Professor of Urology at SUNY Upstate, Elizabeth Ferry. It's been and, my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you like it, please um, put a little star on iTunes. If you want to leave a comment, that would be wonderful. It really lets the algorithm know that this podcast is really valuable and that more women will listen to it. I thank you guys so much for your feedback. As always, send me comments, questions, or anything that you guys want to hear about. Thank y'all so much for listening in. And until next time, bye. Bye.